3: twenty five dollars each.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash concert week to
3: buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concert week to buy now.
1: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel.
2: They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control, Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is the top of the week, and that means it is yet again time for our weekly Strange News segment. You know, we I, I mentioned this in the past, we can sometimes have a tough time... Uh, distilling all the events of the week down to just uh, three things Uh, but here I think we're very much at an impasse we know about the uh, events in the Middle East that are happening as we record, also the events in Colombia that are happening as we record. So we want to thank everybody for writing in on this. We are aware of these. Uh, They each warrant a full episode, I would argue, on their own, uh, instead of, you know, 15 minutes, which is typically what we aim for in our strange news segments. But today, we're talking about about several things that – may have escaped your attention in the mainstream news one definitely didn't especially if you're a longtime listener of stuff they don't want you to know uh there may be something big on the way in the skies next month uh we have a story of a uh local vigilante well they're local to you know the people who live around them but for us they're they're just a super vigilante and then a story about um systemic racism and, and how it affects people in the modern day, and something a lot of folks may not have considered
1: yet. Uh, where do you guys want to start? I'm kind of leaning towards real superhero. I don't know. That's just me. But sure, yeah, why not? What I, like. What a, I like this
3: one. Got a place to start as any, yeah. Uh, so apparently for the last eight years, um, a real-life vigilante yeah, I don't know. Like, do you guys think Batman's a superhero? He has gadgets. He doesn't really have. He's not blessed with any like. He does abilities. have a superpower. What, yeah, he's a billionaire, right? That's... He's a time traveler. Money oh. is value over time. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's, go. I think, okay. well, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> But to me, you know, Batman, I think it's, I'm not like alone in this, but Batman's always been important and an interesting guy and uh, uh, able to parlay those millions and billions of dollars, however many he has uh, in imaginary money, um, into the stuff of crime fighting, you know, legend. Uh, and that's really important. Um, because he is putting himself at risk, knowing that he is but a man uh, who could be struck down and, and killed, uh, as is a dude in Little Rock, Arkansas, who's apparently been walking amongst the citizens of Little Rock for going on eight years now, but keeping very under the radar. And he goes by the name, it's pretty cool, Shadow Vision. And uh, yeah, he's got some kind of Batman-esque qualities. He's got these gauntlets that have little fins on the side, kind of like... Batman's gauntlets you know the little little blades uh he appears to rock some kind of like riot gear type equipment uh not including the samurai swords that he has in a few images that I've seen but you know he's got handcuffs kind of utility belt looks almost like a sWAT guy but he's got a really cool ballistic looking helmet um almost like you remember those characters in the Mortal Kombat game Cyrex and other one there were two mm-hmm. kind of identical looking robots one of them was called smoke i believe later but that was a an addition yeah it kind of looks like more that. of a
2: ninja wasn't yeah. it yeah or they re, 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 they redid it they redid the him continued. as
3: as one of those size uh those uh androids as well i just remember he would like shoot bombs out of his chest and he could like well they all did that but anyway this guy's not vast. to
1: mention he's rocking size on on his uh pants yeah oh that's right the, 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 the you're talking about shadow vision yeah
3: yeah, let's see. I haven't, I haven't seen a picture with the size, um, so definitely, you know, has some uh, double threat ninja turtle weaponry in addition to this kind of sci-fi, you know, Judge Dredd kind of helmet um, and handcuffs. And he also has a Facebook page, boasting a not incredibly unimpressive for a niche kind of local vigilante about five thousand followers on his uh, Facebook page. Um, but here's the thing: he's got a nemesis, fellas. That's just what, what does it take to really make a superhero come out of the shadows? As we know, like with the Joker and Batman, you got to have a good nemesis. And his also has a pretty spooky nickname. It's, it's a pretty basic and descriptive, like many serial killer names often are. But it's the Little Rock Slasher, who has apparently been wreaking havoc on, you know, uh, and, and uh, spreading a campaign of fear around Little Rock um, with random serial stabbings, several of which have resulted in death. No, 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 guys, what do you think? Like two deaths out of a handful of incidents. Is that a serial killer? Something about a cooling off period I've been reading about. Uh, it, it, a little bit more of a spree killer, it sounds to me, but I, I'm, I'm not sure. It's a, I think the, the, the jury's still out on whether he's a true serial killer or not at this point. So I mean, based on what we know, it sounds like we would definitely need more information to dub this person a proper serial killer. But I guess that's why the press has labeled him the slasher, because he's definitely slashing. There's no question about that. But um, on his Facebook page, Shadow Vision issued uh, a stern warning to the uh, the Little Rock slasher, saying that he was keeping an eye on him. Um, this is a threat to you, he says. When I find you, I will show you what I do to serial killers. I am hunting you right now. He also
2: claims to have, two, have caught two serial killers in the past, unsubstantiated, I
3: believe, before he came here because he is not a U.S. native. Is He's right? not. He's actually Scottish. And apparently, I haven't found any footage of him. I'm sure if, I'm not sure if he's talked directly to the press, but he certainly posed for some pictures because he's got this one where he's you know got his katanas out and is in like full ninja pose. Uh, quite a few images of this of this gentleman, um, and I've uh, I've heard that he has a very thick Scottish accent, which would probably make it a little hard to be like the one like you know obviously Scottish dude in Little Rock. If people knew him socially, it'd kind of be you know kind of a dead giveaway. Not only did he claim that he caught two other serial killers, he claims to have exterminated them. Wow. Those are the words he used on his Facebook, but we can't really verify that. Uh, he also claims to have stopped several armed robberies. So, yeah, here's another... like These um, photos by Brian Chilson with the Arkansas Times are all in the same location and, and quite a few different poses. So imagine that he, uh, he did speak with them directly. Although most of the quotes here are attributed... To his Facebook page, Um, so yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, there's a whole section in the article about his origin story, uh, and he claims to have specifically targeted Little Rock because he heard about the crime and then the slashings, and that he uh, felt that the people of Little Rock were losing hope, and he wanted to come and uh, restore hope and you know peace to the to the streets of Little Rock, Arkansas.
2: You know, what's interesting is that he is not the only person uh, living a life as a as a um, purported costumed vigilante. He's got some critics in Little Rock who point out uh, that there are aspects of his self-reported story that are unsubstantiated. Um, some people have called him a con artist, but I don't know if there's enough evidence for that. I, I do know... Uh, I don't know if we ever talked about this. Matt, it may have been you and I off air or something. But there are people not just in the U.S. but uh, in in, uh, the U.K. and Europe as well who dress up in costume to be uh, vigilantes of some sort, superheroes of some sort. My favorite is a guy who just goes around uh, cutting off boots on cars you know, that immobilized cars that are parked illegally. I think he's in England. That's all he does. But he's documented doing
3: that. I can get behind that. I mean, we've talked about this. I feel like booting cars is like basically, you know, unlawful seizure of property. Uh, so more power to him. Um, this guy, he also has an Instagram account, um, real life superhero shadow vision, bit of a mouthful. Uh, and he, he he says that he occasionally will team up with a few other Local uh, Arkansas North Little Rock vigilantes, uh, one by the name of Master Legend uh, and then also one by the name of Antihero. Um, but mostly, uh, according to this article, again, by Austin Bailey, um, published on May 7th of 2021, he works alone. But there's a twist in the story, gentlemen. Uh, this masked vigilante, um, while clearly very quick on his feet, and uh, all about you know fighting crime and, and protecting uh, the vulnerable. Um, he is carless at the moment, um, and he has a PayPal uh, link on his site to help support Shadow Vision by donating to his buy-a-new-car fund. He says, My patrols are pretty limited due to not having a vehicle. I am raising money for a vehicle so I can patrol more areas and help the citizens of NLR and surrounding areas feel safe. So if anyone could donate, it would be highly appreciative. He specifically um, wants a Scion. He wants a Scion XD because he says they're agile and can take turns at high speed. Uh, and he's currently accepting donations via Cash App and PayPal. I, I'm, you know, giggling a little bit just because the whole, like, superhero doesn't have a car thing is a little funny, but, I mean, the guy's heart seems like he's in the right place, and there is a $20,000 reward uh, for the any information leading to the capture of the slasher. So it is, it is a serious uh, serious business, and I imagine, you know, he seems to be targeting old folks, too. So, I mean, it's uh, no laughing
1: matter. I'm trying to imagine, like, crowdfunded superhero? I bet a lot of people could get behind that. If it's specifically for, you know, purchasing a vehicle or something, I I don't know. That feels a little less less, um, palatable, maybe. But if it's just, you know, the way you would support any YouTuber or podcaster via Patreon Patreon or something, you know, I can imagine communities getting behind even just the I don't know, the thrill of knowing that there's a superhero prowling the streets (laughs) in your neighborhood?
2: I don't know. Well, also the anonymity is, is an issue because of the laws regarding vigilantism in the U.S. You'll see rumors on Facebook or Reddit or wherever you want to dig that uh, he does have the tacit support of the police force, which means at the very least he's not interfering with their actions, one would imagine. Uh, but also, yeah, to the point about having a noticeable accent, assuming that is his real accent – which it doesn't necessarily need to be, that would make him identifiable. The fact that he's getting so much international press, he's in The Independent, he's in a couple of other places, uh, that also makes it a little bit tougher to evade. If if you were listening to this and you're thinking, I would like to be a costumed vigilante, I would read up on your local laws, I would find something specifically to uh, make your cause, and then I would also consider the proper steps to stay anonymous. Because, like, if this guy has a phone on him when he's doing this, then the authorities know who he is. You know what I mean? They're just not stopping him and may indeed look at him as an eccentric. But a lot of the locals, some who have called him a con man, especially for the car thing, uh, another contingent of locals do believe he's legit, and they like him for one reason or another. Even if it's not specifically stopping crime, they think it's a cool look for the city.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. If you go to his his Facebook page, which I I was incorrect. It wasn't on Instagram. I'd have just been reposted the thing that I saw, but it's real-life superhero Shadow Vision his handle is at ancient demons. I'm not sure what that that's showing up on Facebook, but that seems like an Instagram handle, but he's got a lot of pictures uh, posing with like just local folks, you know, that are asking for selfies. And then there's a really interesting uh, thing on here. It's a, like a poster for a concert at a place called terminal nation. Um, and also like an art show. It looks like a fundraiser of some sort, but it, 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 it looks like it's uh, sponsored by him. And his colleague, uh, Masked Legend, or Master Legend, excuse me, um, who looks to be wearing kind of like a bucket hat situation and also has some gauntlets and some, like, you know, knee pads and stuff. But I'm not quite sure what the purpose of this event is. There's a bunch of metal bands, like pretty big one, Pallbearer. They're, they're pretty famous. But uh, this dude is very metal. Uh, and also, um, they're going to show a, uh, a screening of Kiss meets The Phantom, which is a classic. Uh, hilarious campy kiss movie. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. You don't hear, you don't hear much about stuff like this. Mass vigilantes and Arkansas little rock is the kind of last place. I thought something like this would come out of, but interesting story to
1: keep an eye on for sure. You guys make a lot of great points, Ben, especially if, if you are easily identifiable by law enforcement, then you're also probably easily identifiable by somebody who wants to, I don't know, do harm to the local superhero to get some cred for themselves or something um, that's, I don't know. That's seems a little dangerous. I mean, even if you've got weapons on you at all times as this character, it's a, uh, it's dangerous out there alone. So I, I, I can totally see why the um, concept of avengering up with, you know, master legend and anti heroes probably a good idea actually. And working alone as a vigilante Probably not a great idea.
2: <laughs> well, it's a it's it's interesting because you know I've been fascinated by this for years, right? The appeal of maybe not something like Batman, but because uh, money is a superpower, but something like the Punisher is that it is not uh, it is not something. That would be impossible for people to do. So I remember, um, I swear, we could have done this earlier on this show or maybe it was some other show I do. There are these great lists of people who are self-purported, costumed superheroes, none of whom have, you know, biological superpowers. But there's also, if you want to get a a little bit of a more fun Kick on uh, a more fun perspective on this without worrying about the very real consequences of citizen arrest laws. Check out the reality show Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Do you guys remember that? It's on Sci-Fi. Stanley hosted. Shout out to Stan. It's no longer a business, but it was it was a fun watch if you're into reality TV and you want a Kardashian break.
3: Was that one that involved real life superpowers, like the two part episode that we did so many years ago that people seem to really dig? I remember there was a Stan Lee show curated by him that talked about real-life superpowers. this one like more of a competition? I'm not familiar.
2: Yeah. Who Wants to Be a Superhero is, again, a reality show uh, that was like people would do any, any number of trials uh, to prove that they had superhero traits, and uh, no one there had biological Superpowers. There are real biological superpowers, as Noel mentioned. Super strength is real, unbreakable bones, weather resistance. There are rumors that I could never verify in both Vietnam and Australia of people who can go for prolonged uh, lengths of time without sleep. That's my favorite. And there's super tasters, super seers, you know, tetrachromats. Like, there, there are real superpowers. Uh, unfortunately, there are legal and ethical constraints about experimenting on human beings, I understand why they're there, that prevent us from
3: farming out these powers to other populations at this moment. And, and Ben, I was confused – not confused, but I just – there is another Stan Lee show called Stan Lee's Superhumans that does mm-hmm. deal with folks that actually have those abilities you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think they
2: had to keep a lot of them anonymous. Like one of the kids who had super, super strength is, you know, ripped
3: – but was like six years old at the time, so they're not going to publish that. But it's on the way. Right on. Well, um, why don't we pop to a quick sponsor break, and then we'll come right back with a little bit more strange news.
4: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a there. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
3: $25 each.
1: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now.
3: That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now.
1: and we're back now we're going to jump from a shadow vision to a very real systemic problem that many many people are dealing with maybe you are dealing with it uh, maybe you have yet to even think about dealing with this problem but it's something that you should be aware of for the time when you're ready to tackle attempting to own a home or to sell a home And again, that may not even be in the cards for you right now, but at least you'll be armed with this information moving forward. So there was an article coming out of USA Today. They were not the first people to uh, publish about this story, but it came from them pretty recently. I believe it was May 13th. So we're going to start with this story, then we're going to move backwards in time a little bit. The story is titled, Black Homeowner Had a White Friend Stand In for Third Appraisal and Her Home Value Doubled. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of stuff we kind of have to define here as we begin through this process. If you've never gone about buying or selling a home, you need to know that an appraisal on a home is uh, just essentially the value of a home that is given to you by a specific person who works for a, a company that all they do is appraise homes. So they decide, they give valuations for a home. And the most important thing, the most important aspect currently to the appraisal of a home is looking at comparable homes that have been sold near the home that is getting appraised. That is, at least on paper, that's what it's supposed to be. So let's say wherever you live in your neighborhood, you're trying to sell your house an appraiser is going to look at five, roughly, other homes that are very as close to you as possible that have been sold recently that are common to your home. Like, how many bedrooms are there? How many bathrooms are there? What's the square footage of the home? That's really what they're looking at.
2: Yeah, they're also they're also. um looking a little bit through past trends and a little bit into what they see as current market trends. Mm-hmm. So an, an appraisal can be fluid. Well, that's the other part. Uh, but the big part I think that we need to emphasize that you had pointed out, Matt, is that these appraisers are professionals. They do not have a stake in buying or selling your home. They are supposed to be unbiased just doing that one job, and uh, the reason this is important is, well, you're saying, like, why are they doing this? Out of the goodness of their hearts, obviously not. There's an appraisal fee that's usually paid by the person who is borrowing from a bank to get a mortgage to buy a house, and then if they, and the reason they're doing this is a safety, right? If the appraiser comes back and says, actually, you know that house that you're putting a $250,000 mortgage on, uh, that house is only worth, I don't know, a ludicrous example would be like $120,000. And so the person would say, heck no, I'm not paying that much. Thanks. That money I gave you was worth it, appraiser. That's when everything works out well.
1: Yes, very true. So uh, essentially an appraiser is a, is a middle person between the bank and the, the, thing that's, the entity that's going to have to loan money or you know, pay money at some point between that entity and the person that owns the home. Um, you can get appraisal for a lot of reasons. To refinance a home, if you just want to get some equity out of it, that means like some money. If you've paid a lot of money into a home and you still owe the bank a lot of money for it, but you've, you know, your home is appreciated in value, it's gotten more expensive, then you can use some of that money to do things like improve your home. Uh, and then it will hopefully get more and more expensive down the line when you decide to sell it. There are all kinds of things you can do if you get equity in your home. It's like having extra money, essentially, according to the bank. Now, let's jump into the story a little bit, and then we can probably go back to the 1930s and really talk about where appraisals came from. I think it'd be worth it to get into the story first and then talk about the history. So let's jump through here. The individual that the USA Today article is about. Her name is Carlette Duffy. And she had she had gotten her home appraised twice. And she felt, you know, just looking at the other homes in her neighborhood, looking at what she knew about the market, she had this weird feeling that these appraisals had been super low. So the first appraisal valued her home at $125,000. And then she, you know, she knew that was low. So she got it appraised again. And it was valued at $110,000, lower than the first appraisal even. So she felt like maybe there was something going on here. As much as we don't want to admit it, there are biases that still affect uh, a lot of institutions, a lot of uh, large portions of both the United States and the world at large, where there are biases against any person of color when it comes to buying and selling a home. And that doesn't mean it's everywhere. That doesn't mean it's every individual, you know, every realtor, every appraiser, every banker. But there is this, there is a through line that has continued for decades and decades where it's, there seems to be an inequality when it comes to how much a home is worth or said to be worth when it is owned by a white family or owned by a family of color. So Carlette suspected this might be what was occurring. So what she did, instead of you know calling up an appraiser, or talking to somebody on the phone, she communicated only via email to a third appraisal company, a third appraiser. Then in her home, she removed anything that she considered uh, signals of, of her race, of her, uh, you know, the culture that she identifies with. She removed all of that stuff. So it was just as, I don't know, blank as you could possibly make it. Then she had a white husband of a friend be there physically at the home when the appraiser came to her house to look at it and decide how much it was going to cost. And this time, the home was appraised at $259,000. I mean, that's, that's over a hundred and it's double, right? It's over $125,000 more than that first appraisal you know and this is only
2: one example
1: oh well yeah well that's the thing so this is one person that went through this and essentially tricked the system but again it's a it's a ter- like imagine how horrible that is remove yourself from a situation all signs of yourself and your life from a situation and then you find out oh without me this home according to this person or this group or this company is worth Twice as much when I'm not here.
2: Yeah, that's that's the issue, Matt. Because there's you know there's an excellent um, New York Times article from 2020 that talks about uh, a, a nearly identical situation with a different price point um, with uh, with the couple Abina and Alex Horton and their. They had estimated their house would appraise around $450,000 in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, but then their first appraisal uh, came back with a value of $330,000. And so um, Mrs. Horton, who was a, an attorney, took she did exactly what you're describing – and this may be an, a story that Carlette was aware of earlier, uh, does exactly what you're describing there. And then additionally, she, she and her husband have a six-year-old kid, right? So they take the kid out to Target and she leaves her husband, who, who is white, Alone at home to answer the door for the appraisal. And they talk about how she replaced all the paintings, she took books by black authors off the shelves, and then boom, this new appraiser gave their home a value of $465,000, which is kind of in line with what you're saying. That was more than 40%, so it was almost a 50% increase. This is systemic. This is a real, this is an active conspiracy, you
1: know? Yeah, it, it really is. Um, and what's happening, I, I guarantee you, Car- Carlet saw what was going on because ABC seven bit that's based in Northern California has been doing an amazing job putting this stuff out there. So getting stories from individuals and families that have been going through this and just showing how often it occurs it's it's really intense. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. There's one reporter. Got it right here. Uh, His name is Julian Glover. He's a reporter and anchor with ABC7 there. It's News Bay Area. He's just been going through story after story of this appraisal discrimination. And you can find him on Twitter. It's Julian, J-U-L-I-A-N-G, as in Gator. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And then ABC7. That's on Twitter. And you can... uh, You can reach out to him if you've got a story, which is really what's been happening. People saw an orig- one of these original stories, which was um, about a very similar thing with a family going through this. They, this family, they put like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of work into a home. Noel, when you when you owned your house, you did quite a bit of work
0: on
3: it, right? Well, it was. I mean, I was just about to mention, like, in the same way that an appraiser is hired to do a particular job, it's often tied to the loan in some way. It's the same thing with an inspection. You know, you always hear about scams potentially being run by, like, maybe the inspector is uh, not paid off, but, like, there's some – There are possibilities where there can be fraud, even an inspection as, as there obviously are with appraisals, uh, because there are things that can be overlooked or it's easy for a place to pass inspection and actually have tons of pretty serious problems, which my place did, um, just like rot that had been covered up with like Bondo on a deck, you know, and like horrible, horrible roof problems. I had to learn how to like, you know, replace shingles and all this stuff, but, um, all of this stuff I think is exacerbated right now by what's going on with COVID and like the increased demand for housing and this kind of feeding frenzy uh, to just sell as many houses as quickly as possible and make as much money as possible. I'm wondering though, why would the house be like, how does that benefit, you know, the bank to undervalue the house? Like, wouldn't they get more money if people were taking a loan out to buy a more expensive house? If this family was trying to sell, I'm, 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 well, so much, I'm trying to understand the, the motivation. Okay, well, maybe I'm, I missed the point then. Who does it benefit?
1: In many cases, these are homeowners or people who have a mortgage, you know, paying a bank, where they are attempting to either refinance their home or they're attempting to get, you know, like see real equity in their home so they can get money, you know, to do other things. So really it is in the bank's interest okay. to say... No, it's not worth that much. Actually, you still owe seventy-two percent of your loan. You can't get whatever you can't get X out of your home yet.
3: But but the banks don't
1: control the appraisers. That's right.
3: No, I, I understand that. But that that's that's the issue, though, right? So we're saying this is just in general a cultural bias. Like, uh, like how, how does it behoove the the appraiser to to offer a lower appraisal?
1: Well, to really understand, you kind of have to go back through history. Like I was saying, the nineteen thirties. Uh, This is around the time when uh, our friend FDR brought about the New Deal and a lot of things that did help uh, lower and middle-class families, but there were also a lot of problems with a lot of the things put forward. Um, You can jump to, there's an article from homelight.com. It is titled, What Does Racism Have to Do with Real Estate Appraisals? And in here, it gives you a quick... Really, really quick history lesson here about this, but it talks about how when Roosevelt was president, there was, uh, quote, a fundamental restructuring of the housing market that occurred there. And I'll just read this to you. Uh, The government made homes more affordable by changing the average mortgage term. So. If you're going out there and trying to buy a home right now, you're probably going to get a 15-year loan, a 30-year loan, something in you know the decades, essentially, of you making payments every month to pay off your massive loan that you're going to have to take out because homes are dang expensive. Um, but it used to be, gosh, what was it? It was like a six-year loan, a three-year loan you would get mm, on a home. Yeah, 15 would
3: have loan. been like long, right?
1: Yes, mm. exactly.
2: 15 would have been almost unheard of.
1: And that meant that a lot more people got access to buying a home because now I don't have as much money at one time as somebody who used to be able to buy a home, but now I can still afford a home by making these smaller payments, just a lot more of them.
2: So to a degree, it democratizes uh, the ownership class or the ability to get into the ownership class, which pre-1930s was a different story, but of course this occurs in the context of uh, even more prevalent open racism i think are we are we getting to redlining
1: we are getting to redlining but but the whole point is that it is a way to get there i think yeah but it 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 increases the ability for people to join that ownership class or the the homeowner's class the landowner's class um, if you want to separate it that separate it out that way but what it does is it separates groups uh, into neighborhoods, essentially. Or, you know, really, that's what it is. It puts boundaries around where people live. And there was this whole, this whole concept that there needed to be a formal assessment of the value of a home. And there were these things that were mocked up and then eventually created and set in stone, at least for a time, that were these maps, these color-coded maps that were created, essentially, of neighborhoods, and these maps uh often referred to uh, people call them redline maps redlining maps uh they've ranked neighborhoods at, with like the most value or the least value and it, it kind of changed colors depending on what it was and the one the neighborhoods that were largely if not only occupied by white middle class families were considered the you know the top tier, essentially.
2: Crème de la crème. And this is before the Fair Housing Act of 1968. So this was all, not only was this all treated as though it were legal, but also often the people who were victimized by this had no real means of recourse. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, you, you can you afford the lawyer fees? Can you afford the inevitable uh, discrimination by law enforcement, which will also not get in trouble for doing very evil shit to you?
1: Yeah. But the problem the real, real problem with this, I mean, like like Ben said, in the 60s, I think in 1968, it changed a little bit, at least part of the processes changed. But the problem is that everybody started from that one place when you're talking about home appraisals, home values in neighborhoods. So when when a home is initially valued at $30,000 and you're living in this part of the neighborhood, then you have the same stinking house. Let's say it's the same builder, the same everything but it's in this neighborhood and that home is worth $120,000. If you start there and now you move throughout time uh, and that home began at that lower price and this home began at this higher price, it's, it really puts anybody who buys that home at a disadvantage and anybody who buys uh, the better home at an advantage.
3: I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm missing, missing this still, but like, if, if if the family already owns the house, they're trying to appraise the house at a lower cost. Like what? Like the 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 nefarious intent behind that? They already own the house, is to hopefully they'll just leave, and Wait, then what? the house. Like yeah, well no, I'm asking you. Like I mean, if if they're they're assessing the house because the person's black at a lower value, like how does that feed into this this that this idea of like resurgence of redlining?
1: Well, in a weird way whether whether the person making the appraisal is aware of it or it's just something that's happening the appraiser makes choices about which homes to compare the existing home to right and maybe and it doesn't maybe,
2: always have to be the home next door because there are it, multiple it variables
1: the the what is what seems to be happening is that some people whether they know it or not and some because they do know it are choosing or accidentally because of whatever practice they are appraising these homes at a much lower value because, just because of what they're comparing them to. Well, there may
2: also be a proprietary system used by an appraiser. This, this is the big deal. The, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, I am not an appraiser, um, nor do I kick it heavy with appraisers when we're not on air. You know, I I don't roll with a ton of appraisers. It's not my click. But uh, it seems like the best thing to do would be to uh, transparently publish the rubric or the um, variables uh, that these appraisers use. Some companies may have a specific, you know, almost automated method, right, where you just plug in the following values into some equation resulting in X, Right, And one of those values may be something about demographic information. Do want to point out this is not just – this is um, – you know, Matt, like you're saying, people of color. So, this is not just the black population of the U.S., right? This is pretty much the entirety of the non-white population of the U.S. or non-white passing because this does look like just what Mac on Always Sunny would call an ocular assessment uh, – and this has I, this has real results when you consider that um, the, what the twenty eighteen Brookings institutions or Brookings Institute study, which found that uh, ha, that values of houses located in majority non white neighborhoods were costing homeowners an average of forty eight thousand dollars of valuation. How these how uh, how based entirely on who lives in a house no matter what their job is. That's the other thing. It's not, like, necessarily their income. It's just what the appraiser thinks of their skin color. Uh, this led f- to, um, a, like, a, a $22,000 decline in house prices on average for black and Latin populations in 19, eight, from 1980 to 2015, while the average home value in predominantly, you know, quote-unquote white neighborhoods rose by $73,000. Like, it can be an unconscious bias, one by like person by person, appraiser by appraiser, but that doesn't make it any less real nor any less systemic. This is
1: bad. It's really bad. And it it affects it's one piece, but it really does affect everything. Because if you if you look at Zillow, if anybody's ever looked for a house on Zillow or thought about looking at your own home on Zillow, or you know, even if you're renting, you've probably checked out Zillow. It doesn't like check out Zillow or some other similar you know, app or and or website that looks at the prices of homes, because there are so many criteria that go into the value of a home. There really are. And a lot of it has to do with the schools that are districted for that address, uh, the, you know, the other things that are available in the area. But a lot of it's kind of just invisible there. It's just, wow, this is a really expensive area. Oh, wow. This is a pretty cheap area. Some of it is unquantifiable It just seems weird for sure. But it's like, I
3: mean, what's gentrification like, you know, gentrification has a connotation to it that's that's bad. You know, the the idea that you're forcing lower income people out because, you know, higher income people are like blazing the trail to, like, improve these rundown parts of town there. To me, gentrification has an inherently somewhat potentially racist quality to it at times. Would you agree or am I overthinking it?
1: Yeah, I think we're on board there uh, for sure. For sure, because uh, it comes down to tax dollars that go into the local government that can then fund all this other stuff to make it a nice neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. But it, what I'm saying is it all of it kind of affects the other part, the other things in the society, right? It's where you end up having such inequality in different groups of people who live right next to each other. Um, it's just. It's awful. I'm, I'm not the right person to talk about this, uh, just raising my hand to say that, but I would just say it's something that is worth keeping your your eye on and being aware of. And there are a few things you can do if you're ever experiencing anything like this. There are people you can reach out to. Uh, there are fair housing advocates all over the place. You can find them in your state, wherever you live. Specifically in California, there's the fair housing advocates of Northern California who've been instrumental to help uh, to helping a lot of these families get a new appraisal of their home, and you know, coming to terms with the Department of Housing and Urban Development, which is really who you have to put a formal complaint in with when something like this happens. And uh, there's this thing called a reconsideration of value that you can petition for, and you can you can get a lot of times if you think you're you know you're a victim of somebody giving you a massively low appraisal on your home. Uh yeah anyway there, there's things you can do and like I said reach out to Julian Glover if you got a story because man they're they're going ham over there at ABC Seven just writing about this every every month
2: you know I I think the steps are pretty clear a good way to fight this I don't know if it'll happen publish all appraisal data from every appraiser you know uh, make it searchable. Right, You should be – if you're getting someone to appraise your home, you should be able to look at their history of how they have appraised houses or any house. And I'm sure there's there are numerous reasons why we can't have that sort of transparency. But that sort of transparency would arguably – I mean it would inarguably help these people on a local level who are getting swindled for no reason at all, no compelling reason. Uh, and then, you know, because – That kind of change only happens when it's more profitable for the people in power to make that change. I would say right now, if you find yourself in this situation, as Matt said, reach out to the press. And also, uh, while you're reaching out, go ahead and reach out to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Uh, Reach out to HUD, the Department of Housing and Urban Development as well. Uh, They have dedicated departments that are supposed to help combat these things. It's just – they don't have as much visibility as they should, you know. Especially like when you're buying or selling a home, it's it's such a stressful experience, you know. It, it, it can be really tough. But I also want to commend all the all the people who refuse to take this lying down, laying down, lying down. All the people who refuse to take this in a
1: horizontal and or prone position. There you go. Just keep in mind, there's a story out of ABC Seven where one family got an appraisal of an extra $500,000 worth of value in their home after they got it reappraised. And it was because they faked having a white family live in that home rather than them.
2: Make that appraisal stuff public. Make it public. It's the only way.
1: There's a Reddit thread that jokes about like, Uh, I, there's some, there's some people in there joking, Hey, need some white friends to pose as you so you can get lots more money on your house. Just, uh, send me a, send me a, a message. I'll show up. I'll work for beer and pizza. Um, like that's a, that would be a really interesting side model while, you know, while the whole industry corrects itself. It's tough though because you can only do so many houses before you get
2: recognized. It's true. You gotta do disguises.
1: <laughs> you, well, you you just have to rotate throughout, you know, the United States. Really, just rotate everybody. <laughs> I don't know. It's just crazy. It's crazy. It's really crazy. Speaking of the industry correcting itself, I mean, I think a lot of
3: folks were expecting because of such rampant unemployment that COVID was going to cause, you know, uh, a buyer's market as opposed to the clear seller's market and the run on housing. I mean, I guess people were not thinking of the psychological impact of it where folks that did remain gainfully employed and had to work from home were like desperate to like, you know, change their surroundings or, you know, live in a situation that had more of a conducive home work environment. They didn't have to like sit in their living room table, you know, every day or whatever. But because of that run, I've been hearing all these horror stories of, you know, people literally waiting in line overnight to to see, you know, open houses. And then the worst thing that I heard was that, you know, someone that I know um, was going to make an offer on a house and there was no way they could match the cash offer that was the next up, you know, kind of most competitive cash offer. And the person said, well, if you waive your right to an inspection, <laughs> you can get it for this. Or like, you know, we'll, we'll accept that offer. And it's like, wow,
1: that just seems really crooked to me. I'm like, it shouldn't be legal. Seller's markets do things yeah. that I don't like. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this whole thing plays out right now. Uh, but yes, please, please keep in mind, be aware, and uh, tell us what you think about this whole thing. And we will be right back after word from our sponsor.
4: Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ends. Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details.
3: $25 each.
1: Visit livenation.com
0: slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to
3: buy now.
2: And we have returned. One more note before we go into this. Um, my my segue here, for the record, fellow conspiracy realist, is the importance of transparency. You'll see what we mean in a moment. But another word, um, something I think often gets confused when uh, people talk about the rise in house prices, is that it it's a it's a ripple. Or knock-on effect of the rising cost of materials because the world really was on pause for a time, which means that the mills were not producing timber, which means that concrete production slowed down, construction in general slowed down. It's going to take a while to catch up uh, and that—that that is simply a mathematical reality. Uh, but, yes, transparency for appraisers that's I think that's the best way to try to fix it. but today's final story it is about transparency. uh, you may have seen folks that uh About a week ago after today's episode airs, 60 Minutes did something amazing. They mainstreamed the idea of disclosure. If you're listening to this show and if you've listened for a number of years, then I have no doubt you are very familiar with that. Uh, The concept of disclosure simply describes the following. The idea that some private entity or a government or multiple governments has been aware of some sort of hidden technology – Sometimes you'll say built by time travelers, extraterrestrials, extra-dimensional entities, or just technology that human beings have indeed hidden from themselves. People finally admitting what that's about, and then saying, hey, we you know we ran into aliens in the 1930s. They were chill, but they told us to wait till 2021. Because insert reason here, that that kind of public speech is the dream of people who pine for disclosure. And for a long time, especially the last several years, we've been in kind of a wait and see. We've always had one shoe left to drop on the idea of disclosures. Multiple reports of things have been coming out, including the Pentagon's secret program to monitor what they call uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon. I guess because UFO was too cool for government uh, documentation. They had to make it a little more boring. Uh, the, and, you know, I'm being rude to them. Really, it's because phenomenon means it doesn't necessarily have to be an object. Smart. We interviewed Jeremy Corbell, uh, who is a great guy who talked about some of this. Uh, I think originally we talked with him about off-world implants back in October of 2017. Do check out our interview with him uh, and check out his newer documentaries as well, uh, he had some he had some sand in the story, and he had he was pretty prescient. Anyway, the sixty minutes piece interviews Luis Elizondo, uh, who all the ufologists in the crowd are familiar with. He had been running the A Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, and he has been working with Tom DeLong, working with To the Stars Academy, and several other places uh, after his government career to. I wouldn't say popularized, but to draw attention to the fact that Uncle Sam does and has been monitoring and tracking stuff it sees in the sky and in the oceans or the skies and the seas if we want a little bit more, you know, um, more alliteration there. Uh, and no one knows what it is. Officially, nobody in Elizondo's crew, nobody in the in the any branch of the US government seems to really know what's going on. Multiple senators, multiple presidents have asked about it, and their answers have always been bupkis. Or maybe very confidentially, if you're someone like Harry Reid, you'll get something like, Well, Senator, if you can give us a few million dollars, we can try to figure out what's going on. How about twenty-two? How about twenty-two million? Well, official. Twenty-two million official dollars. So what you see if you watch this 60-minute uh, segment, which I do highly recommend. Um, did you guys see it? Did you guys watch it I yet? haven't yet.
1: I've read the transcript, essentially, or the overview, but I've not watched it yet.
2: Yeah, I prefer reading transcripts personally. It just it goes so much faster than a television show. But Elizondo... Uh, loosely categorizes the kinds of capabilities these things seem to have. They can do six to 700 G-forces, fly 13,000 miles an hour, evade radar, and then he says they can fly through air and water and possibly space. Interesting distinction because they haven't documented these things, at least during Atip's time, as traveling through space, just through the atmosphere. And another big one is no sign of propulsion. So... Congress has ordered the Pentagon to come clean June 1st. I think it was maybe specifically Marco Rubio. But anyway, the the Pentagon's on the hook. They've got to come out of their, you know, whatever spot they're they're in, in the world's largest office building, which is still a weird fact that trips me up. Uh, And then they have to say, here's what we have. Here's what we think is going to happen for the more— I guess, weary in the crowd, this is just going to be another jam tomorrow, jam yesterday, never ever jam today situation uh, because previous disclosures haven't gone super far. You know what I mean? No one has said we think there are extraterrestrials. But now we're at a point where uh, people who work with the government, you know, as pilots, as intelligence agents and so on, are genuinely saying, yes, something is definitely amiss Everybody knows about it. We don't know what's going on. So I was, I was thinking about this and I wanted to – this will be old news for people who are friends with me on Twitter. But I wanted to walk you guys through some possibilities and get your take. I see four main categories of probability here in no particular order. Number one, misidentified mundane phenomena. This is the number one explanation for the majority of civilian sightings, but it doesn't explain everything because witnesses here are trained professionals with onboard tech explicitly designed to identify stuff in the sky.
3: Ben, did you just coin that term, mundane, misidentified phenomena, or is that like official? I just, uh, that's what I think it is. Yeah, like, it, but, it's, I mean, MMPs, it's about as sexy as uh, unidentified <laughs> aerial phenomena. you know? Well, thanks, man. But I, I mean, it's it's
2: true though. Like even even the three of us who are familiar with this world, uh, we would need to be really careful to make sure that we weren't, you know, mistaken about an
3: optical illusion, right? Or or ball lightning. You know, I, I've mentioned this in the show before, and I, I swear to God, I, I'm going to dig it up. But I recently located uh, a big bag of DV tapes that I used to have. I used to like, you know, have a little like handheld DV camcorder. And I was on a tour once and, you know, was shooting out the window of cornfields in Nebraska. I saw a thing like it was like a hovering kind of like triangular kind of like had like pointed uh, corners, Um, sort of transparent, but off in the distance. And it was very flat land. And it just seemed to hover there way off in the distance for quite a while. And I, I got it on video and I showed it to some people and they didn't know what the hell it was, but. Easily it could have been some kind of optical illusion. Uh, it was a part a terrain that I wasn't used to. Maybe I wasn't used to the way things looked on the horizon. I don't know. I'm not dismissing it entirely, but I do want to find that tape and share it with you guys. But I That's don't like know. Mad take a crack at it. I, I would love to. And I'm I'm going to dig through. I've got I've got the power supply for this camera. I just got to go through all these tapes. Um, but yeah, I, I tend toward that explanation. But I know that there's a lot of technology and things that you know it's probably stuff that we're developing that that hasn't been. You know, hasn't been um, revealed to the public yet, or that—that's my. I mean, to, to me, if it was from another country, it would have been, you know, shot down. Um, so I, I don't know. If that's my. I think it's one of those possibilities: either mundane, uh, unidentified, misidentified mundane phenomenon, or just stuff that we don't know about yet that we're catching a glimpse of because they're testing it.
1: ooh I'm going to go with. Da, 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 da. False flag extraterrestrials. Uh, let
2: me, yeah, let me walk you guys through the other, the other three okay. big genres of possibility. Okay, okay, so, so I it's weird because I had them in this order. So number two possibility: human made secret tech. It is inarguably true, right, that governments and some private entities have tech the public is not yet aware
1: of, even a lot of navy or airmen aren't aware of. Right. Yeah,
2: exactly. Because this is the world of compartmentalized information, a.k.a. need to know. So if there – the thing is, yes, there is tech like that out there. Uh, I I have surprisingly solid – confirmation and corroboration that DARPA have video-capable smartphones in 1991, which is wild when you think about it. But like – so that's that's one thing. That's not the same as a UFO, right, or zero-point energy or something like that. But the other problem with the idea of human-made secret tech is that governments are run by humans, currently, for now. And humans are in general just terrible at keeping secrets. They're like the worst at it. And this mean you know, this means that if you had highly advanced technology, though and you're a military, for instance, which is an assumption, then you're the entire reason you keep that stuff secret is so that you could use it more effectively. And when it starts being witnessed in the field, you enter into a shot clock of court of sorts, right? The time starts ticking between the moment a stealth bomber is spotted and the moment enemy forces figure out what it is and how to shoot it from the sky. So it doesn't really—number two maybe doesn't get us there. My favorite— We'll just give this one space because I think all of us love it. Non-human technology is the most general way I could phrase it. It's the crowd favorite. It's the least likely. There's no proof yet. If there was any proof, it would be the single most explosive moment in human history. We would all be looking at each other and we would say, what a time to be alive. And no one would be being sarcastic about it that day, right? People would say, we're living the dream. And this would be the first time in history they mean it. That would be amazing. But, the only
1: problem is the dream all, is also a nightmare pretty oh much. Oh, yes. Almost statistically. Yeah, we, we might not
2: have enough time to talk <laughs> due to like dark forest theory. Why would something come from far away or from somewhere else, etc.? cetera? Uh, and there's something else. You know, if no one can explain the sightings through these other explanations, then a lot of people are going to default to – the explanation that it must be aliens or uh, extra-dimensional beings, somehow non-terrestrial, but still at this point, no official proof unless, you know, uh, Bigelow comes forward and says, okay, we'll actually show you this stuff that we keep claiming we have. The fourth one, fourth explanation, and sadly one of the most likely, an intentional distraction from ongoing geopolitical all-too-earthly woes in um in several decades, it is going to suck even more to try to survive in certain parts of the world. And if you want to if you world governments are also very good at pulling a pay no attention to the man behind the curtain kind of vibe. This explanation, saying that UAP disclosure stuff and what's coming up next month is nothing more than a distraction. It is not based on proof. It's based primarily on historical precedent. And we can't say it's definitely the play now. We can't say it's a little cynical to assume it, but we can't call people who say it's a false flag crazy because it's proven. Governments have uh, been happy, more than happy to do this in the past, to try to what, – what's the phrase? To try to wag the dog kind of situation, you know, like uh, – It's no secret that various world leaders do engage in foreign conflicts as a way to shore up their domestic support. It's disgusting. um, It's reprehensible. And if I believed in an afterlife, I would wish them the worst for it. But uh, it's a strategy that works very well. So that's where I see. So when I hear you guys talking about this, I hear, uh, Noel, I hear you saying – Number two, maybe some suppressed but also human technology. And, Matt, I hear you saying maybe a false flag. Number four, maybe it's something um, – what was that? Maybe it's a
1: blue beam of sorts, right? No, dude. I'm saying it's false flag to the 10th degree. We're talking actual extraterrestrials pretending to be skunkworks, advanced materials. No, I'm just joking. I don't know.
2: we're seeing a false flag by aliens to <laughs> be other aliens. They're faking an alien invasion,
1: uh, or they're pre- they're pretending to be advanced Skunkworks vehicles that only Skunkworks knows about. So then, Skunkworks is suppressing all of this stuff and.
2: <laughs> and, and it's or, or it's a it's a hazing ritual ah. right with like okay they're getting close to building machines that can take them out of the solar system time for the good old hazing <laughs> i don't know what an alien idea of haziness
1: i'm being completely serious now yeah i'm sorry for all the joking and my dogs <sighs> every time
2: I, no, I think your dog is just a fan of us riffing. If you ever, <sighs> if you ever hear a barking dog, not not just on this show, but in your life, and you want like a little tiny ego boost, uh, tell yourself that dog is laughing at some joke you made earlier.
1: Oh, perfect! It just took a minute to sink in. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it's, it. it. It's
2: a nice little you know imaginary feather in my delusion cap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> i was just thinking weirdly about uh cross species joke landing Uh, there's something there i'm not sure what it is yet um you can finish (laughs) the joke later on your own time so but have you guys seen the triangle ufo video i don't i can't remember if we Mm -hmm. mentioned that Mm -hmm, on this mm -hmm. show before it was a newer one that got declassified and dang if that one isn't intense man that's the one that made
3: me think of the thing that i saw because it really did look like almost like a like a polygon or something, you know, like it had this like um, old school eighties video game, kind of like flight simulator vibe to it. And I'm going to stop talking about it until I can put my money where my mouth is and generate this tape for you guys. But that is the memory that I have. When I saw that video, you're talking about Matt. It immediately made me think of
1: that thing that I saw. Dude, it's a higher dimension. It's like a hypercube guys. That's what we don't realize. It's a hypercube. Yeah. Oh no, we're going to time cube space.
2: (laughs) So, I mean that's that's the thing that's interesting too because you know Noel, I get from when you've described this in the past, I, I feel like this definitely looked like a physical object to you, not not simply a light, yes. right? You could see the shape, edges, and then
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, so so that's what this this video looks like too. It, it, you know, when we were looking at some of these initial reports, we spent some time dissecting or parsing to the best of our abilities. Uh, Objects that came from cockpit imagery, right, and some of them looked like high altitude uh, detection devices, but they were missing the part of the balloon setup that actually detects stuff. You know what I mean? It didn't have it didn't have all the sensory junk hanging in the bottom, and we couldn't tell how whether or not it was moving and how, uh, based on based on these short clips. So. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I'm stumped. I tried to approach it with a very rational mindset uh, and none of those four big genres of explanation that landed on with the information we have at this time explain what on earth is happening, what off earth is happening. Uh, and, And again, the interesting thing is that nobody is saying they see these things in space yet. Pending that next report, all of these government officials are saying they're seeing things in the atmosphere and the oceans. And it is true that the U.S. military is experimenting with submersible drones, but these things don't – the way these things move, if the expert reports are correct and they aren't accidentally, you know, confusing something mundane for something extraordinary, the way these things move should be impossible under what we understand about current propulsion systems." And if it is human-made, if somebody did somehow keep a secret and uh, the government doesn't know about it, as our friend uh, Mad Scientist Pod brought up earlier online, that says some really terrifying things about military readiness. Yeah. That is that is old a, Cogswell? Yeah, Chris Cogswell. That is, a, that is a gap that cannot be crossed.
1: Yeah. But, dude, you know, you've seen those old videos of NASA from the old shuttle missions. Come on, I've seen some weird stuff up there, man. That's mm-hmm. true. That is
2: true. And astronauts do report seeing unexplained things.
1: Or they um, don't report. They don't report anything because mm-hmm. they can't. They're not allowed to, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
2: the first thing that happens, uh, the first thing that happens on uh, right as you descend back to Earth is a video starts playing. An unidentified man in a black suit and sunglasses. He has pictures of your family, and he says it would be great to see them again, and all you have to do is not see some other stuff, right? And then Is that what you
1: saw, Ben?
2: Verbally consent, <laughs> you know, just like sitting by the emergency plane exit. You have to give a verbal yes, that mm-hmm. you're down for it, um, because otherwise, you know, reentry is tough. A lot of things don't make it. No, I don't I don't think I don't think people get the last minute mafia hard sell right as they're returning to Earth. That's surely somebody would have said something about that.
1: Yeah. And I also I'm sorry, I'm being somewhat joking about NASA, but there is questionable footage that is a bit weird that we looked at a while ago. doesn't mean NASA is hiding anything necessarily, but it is a little weird.
2: So what would they – that's the thing. There's something – there appears to be something there. We'll learn more. I think one of the best things we can reasonably hope for is data from sensory components, right, that are on board from sensory components. Uh, So like confirmation of infrared, which is already out there, a couple of other bells and whistles that might corroborate what people are seeing with their eyeballs. But honestly, you know, I have a hard time figuring out what would be released – you know specifically is it just going to be a mystery and if there is if there are really objects unidentified in the sky and they appear to be moving in intelligent ways or as though they are directed by an intelligent operator then what are they doing up there you know what i mean they they don't seem to be aggressive if anything it seems like reconnaissance honestly reconnaissance or test flights but why to what end Let us know what you think, folks. I I know it went a little long, but uh, I believe this is important and I know it is of utmost interest to a lot of our fellow listeners in the audience today. They do appear to
1: be monitoring military operations a lot.
2: Yes, and there were were stories of increased UAP activity uh, during the global nuclear buildup of the Cold War. Uh, There were also reports that some of these uh, some of these appearances were uh, correlating with, and this is just a rumor, I don't have confirmation, but they were correlating with failure of some of those nuclear weapons. I'd love so, to
1: see, dude, I'd love to see if anyone is keeping track of the skies right around Israel and Palestine right now. Just there's, there's so much, you know. I feel like a lot of people are. <laughs> well, there's so much hot combat yep. occurring. I wonder if anyone mm-hmm. is monitoring specifically for that. I'm monitoring the skies for anything strange right now. Um, Yeah, that's
2: a really good point. Let us know if you're aware of that. Um, Well, if you're aware of anything that can be released, because I'm certain there are a lot of eyes on there at state level and private entity, but will that information be shared? It's tough, you know. Um, So let us know what you think about that. Uh, I would love to hear what people's superhero names would be. You know, don't give us your real one. We yeah. don't want to compromise you. Don't and trademark we it if you
1: come up with a really good one.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, uh, let us know what, what you think uh, solutions to this sort of systemic discrimination in the housing market might be. We'd love to hear from you. Always like to point it out. You are the best part of the show, specifically you.
3: So you, specifically you, uh, drop us a line. We're easy to find on the internet. You can find us at Facebook and uh, Twitter, where we're conspiracy stuff, Instagram, or where conspiracy stuff show. If you want to, you can find us as uh, individual people. I am on Instagram at how now Noel Brown. If you want to look ahead at some of the stuff I'm working on
2: or thinking about, you can find me at Ben Bolin HSW on Twitter. You can also find me at Ben Bolin B O W L I N on Instagram. Matt, you change your Instagram about every uh, every couple weeks, right? Mm-hmm. What is it today?
1: I recently deleted Instagram from my phone, so sorry. That's all, folks. That's a very
3: long username. Oh, only after changing it to at unidentified mundane objects. Wait.
1: No, no, no. Dude, you can totally find me. Uh, just look me up. I'm exclusively on Twitter now. It's at Julian G-A-B-C-7.
3: Got it. And what about uh, by telephone if people wanted to reach us that way?
1: Hey, we got a phone number, you guys. It is You can give us a call. Yes, specifically you can give us a call anytime. Leave us a message. You'll hear Ben. He'll uh, say you can turn back now or you can leave a message once he says that just go for it You have three minutes Please tell us what you would like for us to refer to you as and uh, you know leave your message in the beginning there Please stick to the facts just like we do here are the facts in the beginning Then uh, here's where he gets crazy at the end. Maybe that's kind of fun. I like I like that idea And please let us know if we can use your voice on one of our listener mail episodes. That's very important now We ask that you don't make multiple calls all at once. If you've got a lot to tell us or you want to share links or something, we highly recommend you use our email address. We are
2: Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com.
1: The cat